All right. Well, um, if you want to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. Just, uh, we're done with Titus, but this is kind of a, maybe, still kind of comes out of that. You know, and thinking about Titus, I was thinking, what's in Titus, how, what's different than, you know, other books. And it's one thing that's, seems quite different and that seems to be a theme in a lot of the other books is unity in the church and that comes up in Romans and Ephesians and Galatians and Corinthians you know and it takes up a lot of ink really in the New Testament is unity and whether that's Jew Gentile or in Corinthians it was the the gifts seem to be kind of the the thing that was breaking unity And in Titus, it's basically, he doesn't really address it, and it's kind of different, and just highlights how important unity is. And so I thought we we could do a topical message just on unity and and just seeing how big a deal that really is in a church. And I'm not sure if it was just that the church in Crete there was mostly Greeks, and it was new, so there was a real sense of unity. But... What we do know is in a lot of churches, unity becomes an issue, right? Just looking through the New Testament. And so just wanted to talk here about unity here, just a topical message that kind of goes along with Titus, um, even though Titus didn't particularly bring it up like the others. It just helped me to see the importance of this. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just, uh, we'll start in verse 4 here of 1 Corinthians 12, and then we'll read the whole chapter. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one, So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were near, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in each church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more ex excellent way. Okay, so you kind of see how this ties in with kind of the end of Titus where we're talking about, you know, division, you know, um, reject a divisive person. And that's basically all really Paul says in there on, on that topic. He doesn't go into Jews and Gentiles like he does in Romans. And um, he doesn't go into gifts like he does here. He just kind of puts that in there. But And even in Philippians, remember there was, he called out specific people. Remember, I, I can't remember their names, but it was two ladies. And remember when we went through Philippians, he actually called them out like, these two need to agree. And so just thought it would be good to go over this idea of unity. And uh, here's the one main point, if you remember anything. Um, hopefully this, this is the main point. We're just going to circle around it saying different things. But the main point is that God wants, has designed the church to have unity, not uniformity. Unity, not uniformity. So unity means we're all together. We're working together. Um, we're united. And uniformity would be we're all the same. Okay, and that's a big difference. That unity in a church is not based on us all being the same. Uniformity is kind of like a false substitute for unity. We could all have unity here. Um, let's let's say it this way: this is not this is not right. I'm giving a bad example. Let's all have unity here. I'm going to give a ten lists, you know, of all the things I believe, and anyone who disagrees can leave. And then we'd all be unified. <laughs> Well, that would be uniformity, right? That would be saying uh, there's no room uh, for diversity. The unity is all based on uniformity. It's all us being all alike, okay? So that's the main point that we're going to get across. And just look at this passage and see how it manifests itself in different ways. The, the things that God has said here through 1 Corinthians 12. So under this big heading, I'm going to have quite a few different points, but all under this same truth that God desires his church to have unity, not uniformity. So the first point here is an obvious point, but comes out clearly in this passage, that God made people different. God made people different. Notice in verses 11 and 12, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members are of the body, though... Many are one body, so it is with Christ. God made people different. We're different. Um, specifically here, it's addressing spiritual gifts, but we could apply it kind of more broadly. We all have different testimonies, right? Wouldn't it be, it would actually be a red flag if when we shared testimonies, everyone got up and they all said the exact same thing word for word. God works differently. God saves some people here when they're young. God saves some people dramatically and they knew and things changed overnight. God saved some people, and they couldn't tell you the day. They know around this time God was working in my life. Or some people could even say, from as little as I can remember, I was trusting the Lord, and I was confessing my sins. And, and today I'm trusting the Lord, I'm confessing my sins, so I believe I'm a Christian. 
Um, some were saved early, some were saved late, some were saved out of different things. Some were saved uh, from going to a church meeting, some were saved reading the Bible on their own. Hundreds of different testimonies, and that's okay. Um, if it was uniformity, that would be concerning, right? If everybody got up and they read the same little statement and they hit all the right points, it's like, uh, is that is that real, you know? Um, are people just trying to fit the mold, or is God doing a work? And so, testimonies, different emphasis. If you How you grew up affects you, right? If you're, you know, as kind of was shared this morning, like if your dad's an alcoholic, you're probably going to have an emphasis that's different than some people, and you're probably going to think and see things and experience things, and that's going to touch your heart and... and um, emotional emotions in a way that wouldn't for for somebody who didn't grow up that way and vice versa there's lots of ways um me as a uh i'll give you one example when i you know i was a special ed teacher and i still kind of think of myself like that like i i um it was a big part of my life and i hear things differently i i was listening to a sermon one time where a pastor was describing david in the psalms and he said david really sounds um something, I think he said schizophrenic here, and he kept saying that over and over, and I was thinking, he should not be saying that. Like, there's there's surely somebody in his church that has either dealt with that personally or has a family member dealing with, with that, and that's not a sin. He shouldn't be describing it like that. Uh, there's a better way. You could say the same thing in a, in a better way. And that's something that, for me, kind of put my radar up because of my background. And... Um, and dealing with people with you know lots of different things, but I could totally see how that's not on somebody else's radar. And of course, I many times have put my foot foot in my own mouth and said something, and oh, I didn't even think about it that way. So, and why is that? Different emphasis, different backgrounds. We grew up, we have different jobs, we think about things differently, and that's okay. Um, we talked about. I don't want to go back over all of it, but we talked about you know at the end of Titus different opinions on secondary and tertiary issues, and that's okay. We'll not really get into that, um, but you see it in this passage, different knowledge. I mean, you we all here probably, no two people here have read all the same books, right? And we might have things that we know that others don't, um, and that's okay. And I can learn from you, and you can learn from me, hopefully, and that's a good thing. So God made us all different, and we have, we want unity and not uniformity. I'm going to say the same thing just in a little different way. God wants there to be differences. Think about it. God's the one that's apportioning these gifts. And he's saying, I'm going to give this person a different gift than this person. I'm going to make this person a little bit different than this person. But this is not a bug in the church. This is a feature. This is how God wanted it. God wanted us to need one another. God decided, I'm going to give this person uh, you know, a gift, the gift of service, or this person, uh, the gift of tongues, or prophecy, or interpreting, or wisdom, you know, all these different things, or miracles, or healings, and I want there to be differences. This is not a bug in the system. God wants us to need one another, to complement one another. He doesn't want any one person to become the head other than Jesus. If there was some, you know, as the Bible talks about super apostles, um, we could probably get rid of some of us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That, that's not how it works. That's not how God decided it to be. The, there's one perfect person in the church, Jesus. And all of us need him, and all of us need one another. And that's how God designed it.
So uh, I'm going to say the same thing, but read the verse here. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You remember when we talked about God's will? You know, It's like we don't talk about any other person really in the same way we talk about God. For some reason, um, nobody, my wife doesn't say, what does Andrew will for dinner tonight? You know, we just say, what do you want? You know, <laughs> what do you want for dinner? Um, and that's what it is here too. What does God want here? He wants there to be differences. God wanted this. This is the way God wanted the church. And it just seems, the reason I say it that way is it helps kind of de- de- demystify it, you know, to just use regular language um, and to talk about it in a way that hopefully even four Four years old, four year olds could understand too that God wants us all to be different. That's why He gave us different gifts. Okay, so now let's get into some specifics. Um, unity and not uniformity. God wants us to be unified, but He doesn't want us all to be the same. So here's some pitfalls that it seems like this church in Corinth was falling into, and Paul's trying to address. The first thing it is wrong to feel down about yourself. Because you compare yourself to others, okay? First Corinthians twelve fifteen to sixteen. If the foot should say, "Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body," so you hear the person there comparing themselves to another. So again, the metaphor of the body: person's looking at the other other person. That person's a hand. They're really useful. I'm not a hand. I shouldn't be a part of the body. Um, in this case, it might be. In particular, it seems like tongues and that kind of thing was a big deal in Corinth. So it might be, wow, look, that person speaks in tongues a lot. I've never spoken in tongues. I'm probably not even a Christian. That's not right. Um, so back to verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. We're going to go over comparing ourselves just in general, but basically we shouldn't really be comparing ourselves with others, period. Unless we're comparing ourselves to Jesus and saying, I'd like to be more like Jesus. I, um, we can look at other people and see, wow, something good in them, but in the end we're basically still doing the same thing. We're saying, wow, look at how Jesus is working in this person. I want to be more like Jesus. We're, still, we're not saying apples. It's, not, it's never apples to apples. Okay, um, It's always... Each unique individual relating to God. I'll give you an example here. Uh, from 1 Corinthians, this is Paul. Paul specifically basically says, we can't judge other people. We can't look at other people and decide, wow, we've got A plus Christian over here, we got a C Christian over here, and all that, and then decide I'm somewhere, I think I'm probably a B Christian or something like that. He, Paul is saying, you can't do that. We're not capable of doing that. Um, I'll read it to you in 1 Corinthians 4. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Uh, this is 4 or 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, not that, that none of you may be puffed up 
in favor of one against another. So here Paul is saying that he can't even judge himself, right? He, he's trying to follow the Lord. He's trying to do the best he knows how. He's looking at himself and he's saying, I don't know of any sin in my life, but I'm not acquitted. I could be guilty. And I'm going to stand before God. And he could point out some hidden sin that I wasn't even aware of at this moment. And I would say, you know, sorry, God, forgive me. And the same for any of us. I mean, it's a mistake to think we can really look in and see who's pleasing to God. And in this case, he's actually talking kind of about like celebrity pastors, uh, Apollos and Paul, and they're kind of competing. You know, we, we can't do this. You know, if this was written for our day, it might say something like, you should not be puffed up one against another, John Piper versus John MacArthur or something like that. Because people were basically saying, you know, being puffed out about whoever they were listening to or whoever, you know, they were baptized by and converted by and, and all that. Um, and so he's saying, that's wrong. You're, that is totally not what God wants and it's not right. You can't, you can't even judge yourself. In the end, God judges you. And if there can be things in my own heart that I don't know about, how much more people, you know, um, from a distance or people sitting across the pew from you. We can't really look out and see who is a Christian hero. You know, it's like God is the one that decides that. Um, it's not something we can discern from a distance. And what that means about ourselves is we just give it to God. We just say, God, this is where I'm at. This is how you made me. Help me to be faithful where I am. We want to confess any sin. Absolutely. Do we want to uh, iron sharp and iron? If somebody, we feel like somebody is in sin, should we not talk to them? Oh, absolutely, we can talk to them. But we don't start comparing ourselves to others. We try and resist that temptation. Try and resist the temptation of deciding who's on the hierarchy, where. And it's a common pitfall, really. Um, there's you know, lots of examples. I've heard you know, sermons about the inner circle. What does it mean to be in the inner circle? And you want to be like um, you know, in the inner circle in heaven and different things like that. It's, it's scary, you know, uh, the... Paul's saying here, we can't do that. We can't determine that. Um, and we certainly don't want to compare ourselves to one another. So, if you ever feel that way, if you ever look around and think, man, here's my gift, or I don't know what my gift is, or I don't feel like I contribute very much, it probably doesn't matter if I come or if I don't come, if I'm not a part, whether I participate or don't participate. I just want you to know that's not true. We need you. Every single person trusting the Lord, we need you. Um, and you're believing a lie. That God is the one that made you, that brought you into his kingdom, that saved you and gifted you, and we need you. And you might not be able to tell exactly by looking around where you fit in or, or how you're helping every other person. The reality is, that's a lie really against God. God is the one that put you here. God is the one that put you in his kingdom. And God is the one that promised, like we talked about in Titus, to make you fruitful as you're faithful. Um, faithful to him. God will use you. And so, if that's you, start by just getting that idea of being able to compare yourself. Just throw that out the window. Read those, maybe read those verses from Paul from 1 Corinthians 4. Maybe memorize a couple of them. And just say, look, I cannot compare myself to others, period. It's just not possible. There's too many different factors. The, God looks on the heart, um, and man can't see the heart. We have no idea what's going on.
in somebody's heart and life. And so I'm not going to try and figure out the, the hierarchy uh, of you know, Christian heroes. I'm just going to be faithful where I am and trust it to God in the end. So be encouraged and participate. You know, you may feel like you don't have a lot to offer. The reality is you do. You have something to offer. Whether that means, oh, I, I, have, some, I have an encouraging verse that I'd like to share, but I just feel hesitant because I, whenever I talk, I kind of stumble around. That's okay. That verse might be the verse somebody needs to hear. And, it doesn't, and you stumbling around might actually be the thing that encourages somebody <laughs> to say something next week and say, you know what, um, maybe I should share. Maybe there's freedom for me to share. And so the reality is we need you. And I would just hate to think that there's somebody feeling that here today. I would guess there probably is. Um, if you don't feel it today, maybe you felt it in the past. That it's a common thing that it's a real snare of the devil to get into comparing yourself to others. Whether the, There's a lot of ways you go into that, but just trust the Lord that he made you, he put you where you are, he's got a purpose for you, how you are. Um, you don't have to be somebody else. And in many cases, whenever we try and be somebody else, it actually pulls us away from what God has for us. So that's the encouragement. We could probably do a whole sermon on that, but let's go on to the next part, because here's the opposite part. And this is also in this text. It's wrong to compare ourselves to others, period. So we kind of set that groundwork. But it's definitely wrong to feel superior about ourselves because we compare ourselves to others. So, 1 Corinthians 12, this is later on, 21 through 22. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So here's just the total opposite side. He's saying, there's some in this church that are feeling just like, man, I shouldn't even be here. I don't have any gifts. I'm probably not even a Christian. I'm, not like, I'm nothing like the hand over here or the eye. And then on the opposite hand, there's people that are thinking that exact same thing, except in reverse. Wow, look at that guy over there. He's nothing like me. He, he's probably not even a Christian. We probably don't even really need that guy. That's wrong. That's just as wrong. We do not want to think like that. Um, it sounds a lot like the Pharisee and the publican. Remember when Jesus is um, telling that maybe it was a parable or maybe it, maybe it really happened and he's using an illustration of real life, but the, the Pharisee is in the temple and he's beating his chest, or he's praying and he says, I'm, thank you God that I'm not like these other sinners, like this guy over here. And then that guy, lo and behold, in the side, he, he hits his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, the tax collector. He was actually the one that was right with God. Um, but we don't want to be like the Pharisee. We don't want to be, God, thank you that I'm not like so-and-so. That's, that's a wrong attitude. I'll give you another verse here. The, you know, we should be like iron sharpening iron. Okay, that's what it's like to be a Christian. And iron sharpening iron, they're both working on one another, you know. Um, both are being sharpened. You know, you're rubbing the two against one another. Nowadays, we don't really use knives to sharpen knives or whatever, but um, we have like a little thing that's particularly meant to sharpen a knife. But you could use two blunt knives or like crooked knives, rubbing them against one another and sharpen them both. And that's really the picture there of what it's like to be a Christian, that none of us are beyond sharpening. There's not some of us here that are the sharpeners, and then there's these, you know, 
twisted knives around here that we really need to get into shape. It's mutual. We all have areas we can grow. We all have nicks and, and imperfections that we can grow in. And so we need one another. We could say it this way. Do we have something to learn? Do we always have something to learn, no matter who it is that we're interacting with? It's never a one-way interaction. It's never just, um, this person has a need, and I'm there to get them straight. It's always a two-way interaction. Um, we're always learning. We're always being helped on in our faith by other people. We have something to learn from everyone. Um, they can encourage us. Every single person, every part of the body is here for a reason. I'll give you an example here. This is not a, this is a bad example. This is actually a real life example. Okay? Um, and this is from Kirksville, and I got permission to use this, but, um, so, but I'm not going to say the names or anything like that, but, okay. So there's a person who was a professing Christian, you know, trying to walk with the Lord, and somebody is talking to them and, and basically says, well, I know you're not a serious Christian. It was two ladies. Because um, you wear makeup. And if you were a real serious Christian, you would not be wearing the makeup like that. You would be like me. <laughs> Which um, they might not have said exactly like that. But the reality was one person was looking at the other person and, and thinking, wow, look, uh, you got all this makeup on. You're saying you're a Christian, but you can't be a very serious Christian uh, because I don't wear makeup. And uh, the reason I don't is because I'm trying to honor the Lord and, or whatever. Um, that's sad. That's really sad. And the reality is, is um, there's liberty, right? This is back to what we talked about in Titus. We've got liberty on these secondary issues. If you want to wear makeup to church, feel free. <laughs> wear makeup. If you don't want to wear makeup to church, don't. But we definitely don't want to start comparing ourselves to others, right? We definitely don't want to decide, here's a complicated issue. Here's where I've landed on it. Now I'm going to impose that on everybody else. We could have a conversation. I think it would be totally fine if you ask somebody, if you're somebody's friend and you land somewhere different on a secondary issue or you, talk, you want to ask them where they're at, why they land there, I think that's fine. Have a conversation. You could probably both learn something. <laughs> that's what we just said. We can always be mutually encouraging. But we don't want to get to the place where we're the one, we're the sharpener, going around sharpening everybody else. I see you over there, you know, you forgot your Bible this morning, I want to let you know, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't see anyone that forgot their Bible, but <laughs> um, I'm just giving an example. We don't want to be like that, okay? Um, is there any sense in our heart where we start to feel this? Where we start to see, compare our strength to somebody else's weakness and, dis, and be puffed up. The best thing probably to do would just be to pray about it. Just ask the Lord, God, is there anything in my heart towards anybody? Lord, would you show me if there's any way that I'm doing this or being like this? Um, okay. Kind of on all these issues, okay? I'm going to pull in uh, Romans 14 because it's another good passage here on um, unity and not uniformity. 
question I think would be good to ask in these situations. What is the person's heart? What is the reason behind what the person is doing? And that's not apparent. You can't just look at somebody and see, oh, look, I'm going to use the makeup example. Oh, look, they wear makeup. That's because they want everybody to look at them, and they're trying to get attention, and, and it's because, you know, and, and you decide all the reasons they're doing it. You can't do that, right? You, can't have, you have no idea why they're doing that. Um, so we want to ask the question, what's the person's heart? You know? Um, Romans 14. I'll read this short section here. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The one who believes may... The one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the sermon of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. You know, if you read all of Romans 14, which I, I won't read it right now, but it's really clear that the people that aren't eating meat are really trying to honor the Lord. They really are. They really want to honor the Lord, and, or the people that are holding one day above another. They're really wanting to try and honor the Lord. So it's important to ask, you know, what's led you this direction? You know, what, um, if it comes up, and, or if you feel like it's a big enough deal that you have to bring it up, just have a conversation first. Um, that really, the person's heart is... Re- this is... Sounds this is kind of a radical statement, but the person's heart is really more important than their action. Um, that you have to start from a place in it's inward outward. So you have to start from a place of wanting to honor the Lord inward, and then that works its way outward. So the person not wanting to eat meat, or the person wearing makeup, um, or the person honoring the Sabbath or not honoring the Sabbath. The question is, what's their heart? If in their heart they're really trying to honor the Lord, that's where they have to start. That's where everyone has to start, and that's a good thing. Christianity, how God set it up, it's not a list of all these outward actions that we have to do. It's God who comes into a person's life and regenerates their heart, and from the inside out, they're transformed. And that doesn't happen overnight. Um, I'll give you a story. Um, Again, kind of uh, negative on myself. When I first became a Christian, um, well, if if you grew up in the 90s, like you probably remember this, like, uh, downloading music and the iPod came out and Napster and all you know all those um, things and I had just tons of stolen music <laughs> and just reams and reams and gigabytes and terabytes of it and when I became a Christian I was listening you know I would walk around Truman's campus with my headphones in when they used to have headphones with the cords you know <laughs> and iPods when we used to have those <laughs> instead of just phones and listening to music, even Christian music, but it was stolen Christian music. <laughs> I was like, I literally stole it, you know. And it took a while. It took somebody confronting me about it, just saying like, "Hey, you realize you're, you know, you shouldn't be doing that." And it was actually someone actually mocked me in a way. Um, it was one of my roommates. Like, uh, is that what Jesus would do? They were non-Christian, and I realized, wow, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus would not do that. Um, and 
I was convicted, you know. Um, but the reality was, uh, at first, you know, I had, my heart was, I wasn't, I wasn't even convicted about it at all. I, when I was listening to that music, I was trying to honor the Lord, not trying to dishonor the Lord, you know. And we're all like that, I think, in many areas, you know. Uh, whether we've been a Christian for a couple months or years, that we're trying to honor the Lord in the areas of our life. And are we going to grow this year? I hope. You know, we all want to grow. And there's areas for us to grow. Um, and so we would just want to ask the question, what's a person's heart in it? And if the person's heart is right, then we can have a lot of freedom, you know. Just like Paul said there, welcome them, but not to quarrel over opinions. You don't eat meat because you, you, know, you think that that's really what God wants you to do. Well, this is where I'm at, and this is why. But that's okay. If you, as long as you're honoring the Lord, you're wanting to honor the Lord, that's, a, that's where you need to be, and that's a great place to start. And so that's a question we want to ask of one another. Um, are we wanting to honor the Lord? What's a person's heart in it? And to be understanding and to listen. Um, so where we've kind of talked about the first part of it, unity, not uniformity. We've, we're talking about not uniformity, but then where does our unity come from? If it's not that we're all the same, where does it come from? Well, it's very clear here in this passage, verses 4 through 6. Unity is found in God. What unifies us is not all being the same. It's God. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. It's God. God's our unity here, right? What unifies us is not that we're all wearing the same clothes, not all deciding to wear makeup or not wear makeup or whatever particular issue it is. Um, we're unified around God. We're unified around that one heart issue is we're trying to honor God. We're being empowered by God to serve him. And we all have the same spirit, the same one empowering us, each in our different ways and areas. And that's okay. I'll give you another example, kind of bad on myself. I like sharing the gospel. I like going out and talking to people at, you know, like out on the street or whatever and saying, you know, hey, have you ever, you know, are you thinking about God? Do you ever read the Bible? Um, do you believe in God? Are you right with God? And I enjoy doing that, and I used to really press Jess to do it <laughs> and, like, um, encourage, like, well, why aren't you doing it? Why don't you come out with me? Why don't you uh, do this? And it's like, basically, don't you care about people? Don't you love people's souls? Why aren't you out doing this? And the reality was I really didn't have a handle on, on these things. Different people are different. There's ways that Jess ministers to people that I can't and, and don't, and that's great, and I'm thankful for it. And she doesn't have to do all the same things I do if she wants to be a Christian. She, what she really needs to do is follow the Lord and do the, what the Lord has asked her to do in and, and the ways that he has gifted her, and that's okay. And there's things like that all over. Um, we don't want in any way to get out of whack where we start making our unity about certain gifts or about certain emphasis. Our unity is always around God himself. We're all trying to serve the Lord, empowered by the Lord. Um, well, um, Ryan Fullerton was, was saying about Romans that he thinks all of Romans up to Romans like 14 to 16 is leading up to 14 to 16. Like he's setting the groundwork for this unity talk. That, you know, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Jew and Greek. And he's, we're all sinners. Uh, we all need Christ. We all fall short. Uh, Romans 7 and we're all secure in Christ, Romans 8. You know, 
just leading into this whole talk about basically setting the groundwork that the Jews and the Greeks could be unified there in God. Different, but unified. And that's the same here, right? What unifies us here? We want to follow the Lord. We want to honor the Lord. We're sinners, saved by grace. And we're trusting Christ to meet all our needs. We're trusting Christ to empower us as we go out in in our different walks of life and to do what God has asked us to do, where he's asked us to do it. And what's the result? Okay, why talk about all this? Well, one is we want to follow the Lord, right? We want to do it. We want a church that looks like God's church. We don't want to decide, I think the best church would look like this and make it up and not be doing what God wants to do. Um, we want to glorify God. This glorifies God. Now, this is from John 17. This is Jesus' prayer in John 17. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, and me, and I in you, so that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you love me. That this unity it glorifies God. It's a testimony to the world, as well as um, strengthening us, like we talked about. We need one another, but not only that, even more importantly than that, it glorifies God. That especially in our culture today as it is. Okay, it seems like it's more divided than ever. If we could be a place where any type of person can come in here who wants to follow Jesus and be welcomed and be us be unified around Jesus, praise the Lord. Right? There's where can we find that? I mean, it's, there's a lot of things going on right now like people pulling their kids out of public school and um, people losing their jobs, and if you're going to work at this company, you have to you you can't be this kind of you know political or whatever. Um, we don't want to be like that. We want to be a light, a city on a hill that's unified around Jesus. And so that means different races, different emphasis, different backgrounds, um, but all for one Lord. And it's important. I mean. I want to put a little different twist on this for, for you. Okay? Instead of world, think about your lost kids. Okay? Your lost kids, if, if they're not a Christian, well, they're a part of the world still. right? Um, how you at home talk about the other people in the church can glorify God and draw them into the kingdom or can push them away. That's serious. Right? Like if you're at home talking about the other people in the church, like, oh, you know, so-and-so, he's a such-and-such. And you're kind of sending the signal, well, they're a hand, and we don't, or they're an eye, and we're hands, and we don't really, church might be better off without them, but we certainly don't need them. Literally, Jesus says, <laughs> right here, like, what's going to show the world, that includes lost kids, that we really know Jesus, is we love people that are different. We love people, and we, um, we're unified in him, not in these secondary things that everybody else is complaining about. <laughs> We're looking to Christ. The love between people. It's huge. And it's important. It's important for us personally. It's important for the glory of God and 
the world globally. I mean, we want to, we want people to come to know Jesus. And really, when we talk about it like that, it's like, on one side, we've got a disagreement with somebody, which is, I'm not saying, we're not saying all these issues are unimportant. We're saying they're not all important, right? Okay? Is makeup an important thing? It might be for you, right? I'm not saying, if, if you wearing makeup is like you doing it to feel like I'm going to try and get people's attention and every time I put on this makeup, I'm wondering who's going to comment on it and, and all that stuff. Yeah, that could be a trap for you. It's not unimportant, but it's certainly not the most important thing, right? Jesus is the most important thing. And we could say that for a lot of these secondary issues. They're not unimportant, but they're certainly not more important than Christ. And so, as we interact, as we talk about other people, as we um, try and love one another as a church, do those little disagreements, are those worth marring the testimony of Christ to your kids, to the world, to outside watching world, right? It's not. <laughs> it's not worth it. Uh, it's not worth diminishing any of the glory of God and his, his bride uh, by picking on some of these things. Is it going to be easy? Unity and not uniformity? No. <laughs> it's going to be harder. <laughs> uniformity is easy. It's really easy to have unity with uniformity. We just le- Everyone who disagrees or everyone who's different, just leave. It's really, really, really easy. Um, but unity without uniformity, that's the hard part, right? Because we're, we're always being sharpened. Iron sharpening iron, both directions. And it takes work, and it takes the spirit, and we need God to help us. And so, kind of to wrap it up, we're looking to Christ. Christ was a great example of this. Think about the disciples, how different they were, right? Simon the Zealot, and then Matthew the tax collector, in one group there. (laughs) Quite different. Fishermen, who were maybe middle class or so, a tax collector who was like way upper class, and ages too. It seems like Peter was, you know, married, obviously, and then John was probably quite young, maybe a young teenager. So, anyways, all that is to say, we see it in the New Testament in Christ and how he interacted with people. What unified them was him. They were wanting to follow him. And then here comes Nicodemus, right? Like, part of the Sanhedrin, you know, like one of the, lead, or one of the leaders of the country. It's kind of based like a, a root. It's like the Supreme Court plus, like, religious leader type of thing. It's like a very important position. And here he is, coming into Jesus to follow him. It's a diverse group. And I'm sure they had different opinions on a lot of different things. Different giftings. Different knowledge. Different testimonies. But one Lord. One Spirit. One goal. All for the glory of God. And so that's what we want here. I just thought that would be, I hope, a help to you. An encouragement to you. And just something to pray about and think about. As we move forward as a church and individuals. Let's pray together. Father, just thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit. I pray that you would help us to be a church where every person could feel free and able to use their gifts and to minister and to encourage and to build up 
and to love one another uh, by serving. Just pray you forgive us. I forgive us um, for ever looking down on anyone or, or comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, forgive us for um, feeling like we can't contribute or anything like that. We want to have the right mindset. We need your help. And so we're asking, would you, by your spirit, open our eyes to see truth and reality. Um, help us to be fully committed to you, Jesus, and following you, and in that have liberty to not compare ourselves to one another. I pray you'd help us um, in every way to honor you. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for this church in Corinth. Even with all their faults and failures, we have lots to learn from them, so we're thankful. Uh, thankful for your universal church and thankful that you're saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We look to you for help. Amen.